of propaganda from cradle to grave by the Kremlin has helped to ensure at least the passive acceptance of its rule by the Soviet people. The Soviet regime disseminates propaganda through a vast network operating under the supervision of the party's Central Committee and Politburo. This propaganda network encompasses over 4,000 newspapers, a large book publishing empire, a nationwide radio and television system, and an incessant stream of public lectures. This is episode number 10. This episode we have a very special guest, as always. But this time we've got a live guest, a writer, and also the host of Real Politic Podcast, Jack Frame Reed. How you Hi, doing? Hi, how's it going? <laughs> um, can you tell us a bit about your 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 politics uh, podcast, Real Politic Podcast? Yeah, so Real Politic originally started um, over the summer, although we didn't release the first episode till November. It sort of sat on my computer for a long time, and the idea was we wanted to do a film podcast um, with an overtly Marxist analysis. But along the way, we kind of got sidetracked and just talked a lot about politics. Um, and those seem to be the episodes that uh, do quite well. Like yeah. our, um, our most recent episode was about a propaganda film, an anti-communist propaganda film that John Wayne made in the 1950s called Big Jim McLean, which in Europe, because the distributors were worried... It well, Europe. The Europeans weren't anti-communist enough. They released it as marijuana. Um, but before that, we did one um, where we just took that. Where's the opposition issue of the New Statesman? Uh, the like awful <laughs> sneering Blairite rag, um, and we ripped on that for literally an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, the recording itself being even longer, but there's certain stuff you can't put in the public domain <laughs> <laughs> that episode seemed quite popular when i saw like all the retweets you got from that yeah it um yeah it got retweeted quite a lot it got it got 800 listens which is i mean it's oh. not amazing but it's the best yeah. we've done so far we got like a uh, a fifth of our total ever listens in uh, the week following putting out that podcast yeah um guys if you're um if you want to listen to a really good uh, podcast Go and check out the Real Politic podcast. It's it's really good, really funny. You've also got a, a correspondent in Westminster. Yeah, uh, yes, <laughs> Kieran Morris, who joined the show for our sixth episode. He uh, and and stayed because it just gelled. Um, yeah, he is officially our Westminster correspondent. Uh, you know, giving us those hot dispatches from the corridors of power. Awesome. Um, we're also joined by Rory, as always. As always, <laughs> as always. And uh, this episode, what we're going to really go into and talk about is the amazing Russian conspiracy theories in the liberal imagination that <laughs> have appeared <laughs> online. The, the person to really lead these conspiracy theories is the one and only Louise Mensch. Uh, <laughs> um, she has... Uh, come up with various different conspiracy theories on uh, how Russia is orchestrating Western politics. She believed that Putin murdered Andrew Breitbart. Um, <laughs> like, rather than a cocaine heart attack. <laughs> Just look at a photo of him yeah. before he died. Um, like Steve Bannon with fucking like barnacles yeah. up his face. <laughs> and uh, Jeff Sessions, of course, is a uh, Russian partisan. Oh, uh, we all. Oh, uh, we all. Uh, by the way, I forgot to say that um, Jack is also um, part of the Russian conspiracy. It's worth saying before we really get into this, but obviously you're not going to be getting an impartial point of view from me. I am entirely compromised by, <laughs> by uh, you know, the, the virtue of being on the payroll of the Kremlin. Yeah. Uh, Real Politics podcast gets its money directly from Putin. And it requires an extraordinary budget to make the Real Politic podcast. <laughs> like, that is a real high-tech operation. Um, Louise Mensch will be coming for you soon, I'm sure. <laughs> I uh, can't wait till Louise <laughs> Mensch finds out who we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the first thing I really want to talk about is why do, you, 
Why do you think that these conspiracy theories have attracted so much attention? Um, and, and not just within kind of like a... Because when you think about conspiracy theories, and certainly on the right, it's, it's a certain kind of minority group who espouse these theories and believe in them. But it seems with this one, it's, it's kind of reached the mainstream. Yeah, it's it's very much people who are a, a, a kind of ensconced at the heart of the respectable media and the respectable uh, centrist political sphere, who've um, who've sort of been propagating these Russia conspiracy theories. And I, I think um, where it comes from really is that it's this kind of litany of liberal failures we've seen over the last few years. So of course. Hillary Clinton, the, the most qualified candidate in history, couldn't possibly have lost fair and square to an awful candidate like Donald Trump. It had to be Putin who was responsible for that. Yeah. Uh, in, incidentally, you saw this Blairite MP called Ben Bradshaw um, saying in Parliament, I believe, that um, he thinks Russia was responsible for helping determine the result of the EU referendum. Wow. And in fact, one... How, how? Does he explain it? I, I actually can't remember. Um, he said sources. Sources, <laughs> yeah, sources. Um, but, dossier, there's a dossier. Sorry. Yeah, a dossier. We're, I'm sure with, like, great piss stories in it. <laughs> all that stuff. Um, but there's this, uh, in fact, talking about people from the British centre-left, there's this journalist for, I think, Business Insider or some shit called um, Adam Beankov. And he wrote an article when Labour was fighting a by-election in Stoke-on-Trent saying that Russia was intervening on Labour's um, side in Stoke-on-Trent, which is interesting because Labour's main rival in Stoke-on-Trent was UKIP, who were also accused of being, (laughs) you know, a a Russian (laughs) fucking black op. (laughs) If if the Russians can control Stoke-on-Trent, they basically control the world, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All to play for. <laughs> Extremely important violation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, for me at least, it's really interesting to see Louise Mensch move from sort of like an irrelevant British MP yeah. to like someone who appeared on Question Time and kind of uh, news programs in the UK. And now suddenly she's writing in like big american newspapers and she's being retweeted by uh various like american political pundits yeah it this transformation seems quite extraordinary <laughs> well no less than eric garland he of the uh, uh, game, game theory uh, thread said that uh, she has been on point with um, all, <laughs> her, all her info about russia all the game theory all the true facts yeah she knows game theory can, can you can you explain the um, Eric Garland um, game theory Twitter thread for for listeners who may may not know who yeah. he is? Yes, I can. So <laughs> Eric Garland is one of the foremost progenitors of the current wave of Russia paranoia. Um, he's a guy like he's just like some cop. He's like a security, like a private security contractor or something. He never had a blue tick on Twitter before he did this. 100 tweet thread which is just this kind of incoherent spiel about how uh, like you know Russia's on like under the bed and in the cupboard and like everywhere you look it, mm. it's Russia and also like he hates Glenn Greenwald and Chomsky and all these people are just Russian Russian shill yeah uh, yeah they're Russian journalists well they're journalists and he thinks he thinks they work for Russia, but um, he's tried to kind of recapture the magic time and time again. Like my personal favourite was when he went off at Rupert Murdoch, and it's not hard to find a good uh, a good legitimate angle from which to attack Rupert Murdoch. But he was just saying, "Get out of my country, you filthy foreign cunt." Or something. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay. Um, I'm not sure the fact he's foreign is the worst thing about. Um, about Rupert Murdoch, but he is Australian, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it counts. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he he loves game theory. Um, <laughs> for all the IR geeks listening, uh, he's he's a he thinks he can explain 
uh, Russia controlling the USA through game theory. Yeah, that, that's where the sort of name of the, the now sort of memed thread came from, which was, um, uh, I wasn't sure how to structure that as a grammatically coherent sentence. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, he starts it, guys. It's time for some game theory. <laughs> well, he, can, he kind of says, like, you know, we've, uh, I've been hearing that Obama and the Clintons, they're just laying low, they've given up. Fools. Time <laughs> for some game theory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> time for some game theory. <laughs> yeah. And he plays bass. Like, if, yeah. you look, if you look at the guy and then you learn he plays bass, it's like... It all makes sense. Yeah, he, he <laughs> plays bass. <laughs> this is the funniest conspiracy theory that uh, Louise Mensch came up with. The 15-year-old girl with whom Anthony Weiner had sexted <laughs> was actually a Russian hacker group called the Crackers with Attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Crackers How? with Attitude. <laughs> that, is, that is such an elaborate... Conspiracy theory with like the most ridiculous name that she could have chosen. Why, why does she keep like falling into bed with nonces? Like what? Like there, there was that Luke Bozier guy who she set up mention with, who turned out to be an alleged, I guess I should say, nonce. There's Milo, her close personal friend, who it turns out defends. Uh, you know, he wants to lower the age of consent and defends, like, paedophilia. Mm. Um, and now she's defending uh, the, the aptly named Wiener sexting a 15-year-old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what keeps happening? She, she ends up, like, in, in bed with these people. I, I don't know. She's... But the thing is, the, the more... Ri- she's kind of like an inverse of Trump because the more ridiculous stuff she does, the more publicity she gets. But just from, like, the liberal extreme rather than the kind of, like, info war. She's like the Alex Jones of, like, liberal conspiracy theories. Yeah, and of course, it, like, even in our very right-wing country, she, w- she wouldn't be considered liberal. Like, she's, no. uh, she was a Tory MP. Uh, she's always expressed pretty right-wing um, opinions. Rupert Murdoch hired her to run this kind of trashy, Breitbarty kind of uh, right-wing blog called Heat Street. But I think he might have pulled the plug on that or at least sacked her recently. She was on the Levinson Inquiry as well, wasn't she? So Oh yeah. Surprise yeah. he uh but I, I kind of see her, I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like people might listen to her, especially if she appears on American television, for the same kind of reason that they listen to Katie Hopkins, just because she has that voice. <laughs> she sounds authoritative. Even Milo, he kind of sounds well spoken like yeah, I, I yeah, can maybe yeah. trust this guy. Yeah. And the Americans see that and it's just Yeah, I don't know how she's got a platform at all. It um, is amazing. I mean, I guess in America they're super susceptible to that, aren't they? Like, they they gobbled up every bit of warmongering neocon shite that came out of Christopher Hitchens' Mm. mouth in his Mm. last decade or so. Yeah. But at least least Christopher Hitchens had, like... He was actually eloquent when he spoke. Yeah. Whereas, like, Louise... Have you seen that clip of Louise Mensch where she's interviewed by Andrew Nell and she's like, I'm, I've become a, a superpower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, she, um, it's so bizarre. You, you, you've said uh, in today's Sunday Times here in London that you've turned into, I quote your word, that you're a temporary superpower where you, quote, see things really clearly. I mean, have you become delusional? No. I was describing... Um, a biological basis for ADHD, which I have, which, as any of your any of your viewers who are doctors will know, uh, provides people with, a, unfortunately, a lot of scattered focus. They're very messy, absent-minded professors, but when they're interested in things and they have ADHD, they can have a condition called hyperfocus, which means that you concentrate very hard on a given subject and you can see patterns and connections. That's biological, and I don't resile from it for a moment. I'm, I'm never sure how... Much because obviously her statements are laughable. They're I mean, they're ridiculous. Um, they they can't be taken seriously. But I I almost feel like and you never want to get into kind of amateur psych um, amateur psychology or the amateur psychology or anything. But I mean, she's said herself in the past um, that she quote unquote messed up her brain uh, like taking hard drugs when she was younger. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, uh, like, which drugs or anything, but, um, I mean, there, there is a chance that she could be having, like, a pretty difficult time right now. I mean... 
yeah, I, that's that's the issue. Like a lot of the stuff she's saying is laughable, but I I kind of feel God. It, what if it's like you know where where Kanye West endorsed Trump and then a week later he was um, you know in yeah. hospital uh, having yeah, a breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard the Alex Jones conspiracy about that? That what, what he was <laughs> he endorsed Trump and then um, Hillary's like thugs. Took him away <laughs> in, a, in a hospital van to institutionalise him. The Desta and the boys, yeah. fucking Tom Perez and all these fucking vampires. Yeah, yeah, they, they put him in the van. Uh, speaking of which, do you think Alex Jones, is he, would you say he maybe displays some kind of mental health issues or would I'm, you just say it's just pure... I think it's calculated, doesn't yeah, it? I, yeah, I, I calculation. Wouldn't, I wouldn't say as much um, with, with Alex Jones because, I, I mean, he's certainly a weak... I mean, it's, it's really hard to say these things because, you know, it's, it's, you're seeing them on TV performing a role. Yeah, exactly. But, and I very much do think Alex Jones performs to an extent. I think he's a weird guy, but, you know, uh, a, lot, I, a lot of people are a bit weird. If I was getting the money he's probably getting, I'd sell my soul. I'd do it. I mean, he, <laughs> he must be a multimillionaire. Yeah, so he's giving oh, yeah. people what they want, isn't he? And he must sit, He probably has a team they concoct what to say on the next episode, what rubbish to come up with. Yeah. And it gets hits. It gets listeners, doesn't it? And Well, he, he sells protein powder now. Protein I saying, powder. see... I don't watch a lot of Alex Jones, to be honest with you. I know, I know you should know your enemy, but... Um, yeah, I feel well, like... I feel like, like he's our friend. I feel, I feel like if I click an Alex Jones video, then he's going to get an extra 10 cents or something. I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I get you. I'm, I'm currently in a bind as to whether I buy the new memoir by the Labour MP, Jess Phillips, in order to do an episode of a show about it. Oh, my gosh. If the money goes to charity, I might actually, but if it goes yeah. to making Jess Phillips nice and comfortable... <laughs> Go to a library. Yeah, if they'll stop it. I wonder what Jess Phillips thinks about the the whole um, Russian conspiracy stuff. Do you think she buys into it? Let me uh, search (laughs) Jess Phillips Russia on Twitter. Um, All right, so I've searched Jess Phillips Russia. Um, The main tweet that's come up by her is, 2013 resolution was to become Russia's greatest love machine. If I'd achieved, perhaps geopolitics might be in a better state. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> valuable contribution. <laughs> Thank you, Jess. Uh, I look forward to similar pearls of wisdom in the memoir. <laughs> um, and going, going, uh, continue with like the sort of American fascination with this Russian conspiracy theory. It's not just people like uh, Louise Mensch who are kind of espousing this idea that Russia's a puppet master controlling the highest echelons of American politics. It's also people like uh, the former NSA chief, Keith Alexander, mm-hmm. who, um, who openly said that um, <laughs> Sanders' campaign um, was driving a wedge within the Democratic Party yeah. uh, and was helping destabilize American politics. Well, I mean, that, that says a lot about the mentality of those kind of establishment Democrats. Um, it, well, I, I mean, I, is the guy who runs the NSA um, a Democrat? I mean, may, maybe not. They're, they're a very right-wing bunch, but so are the Democrats. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm saying, this very muddled point. But, um, yeah, that, that, that kind of relates to what I was saying earlier. They don't want to accept these uh, astonishing liberal failures. So, um, you know, the Sanders campaign, um, you know, apparently, as in, in his words, drove a wedge through the Democratic Party. Well, I mean, maybe the fact that a huge amount of Democratic voters didn't feel, you know, potential Democratic voters didn't feel that they could in all good conscience support Hillary Clinton drove a wedge through the Democratic Party. Nothing about her being the least popular candidate yeah. uh, within recent history. Yeah, whereas Bernie Sanders right now, uh, I mean, obviously this is having not gone through a, a, a bruising presidential race against Donald Trump, but he's right now, uh, according to every poll I've seen, the most popular politician in America by a huge margin. Well, I think Louise Mensch also singles him out as a possible Russian yeah, agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that um, the quote in the Matthew Toby Matthew? Yeah, yeah. article, and he's saying, uh, so even people who themselves have been accused of being Russian plants are now accusing people of being Russian plants. It just kind of goes on and on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's... 
I, I saw um, a quote from Sanders where he was asked about the whole Russia issue with Trump, and he he basically said that there's there's things to investigate. Yeah. Um, which I think is a fair point, um, although some have have kind of accused Sanders of uh, kind of um, you know using this kind of establishment rhetoric to, yeah. to tar Trump. With the with the brush of being a Russian plant, which I think is a bit unfair, but I don't I don't know what do you think of it, Jack? Well, Bernie has never been, although he he is actually much more than most um, democratic politicians. Well, he's, he's only sort of become a democratic politician recently. Than, than pretty much any, he's more progressive in most ways than pretty much any American politician, I'll say. Um, but. He's never been a kind of anti-imperialist stalwart in the same way that, say, Corbyn has been. Um, so Sanders will stick up for American power at times. He, for example, his his vote on um, I forget the name of the the bill, uh, the Iraq War. I did, uh, didn't he vote against the Iraq War? Yeah, he 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 voted for one of the bills which enabled the the Iraq War. I yeah, can't remember the name I'm, of it. I'm not sure if he. God, this is just showing my ignorance on American politics. But I know there are obviously like he voted for the crime bill uh, that you know was very bad for African Americans. So he he has voted for some regressive policy in the past. I'm not sure he, he did vote for the Iraq War, but I mean I think he vote, he supported intervention in Libya and various other um, did he? interventions. Okay. Yeah, so. So that this is what I'm saying. Oh, He's um, so he d- he doesn't kind of take the view um, as my my comrade Tom Gann was saying in response to this some sneering uh, liberal tosser. He he kind of said as a as a good rule of thumb, it is actually kind of safe to assume that if America's doing something, it's wrong. <laughs> so that that's my perspective as someone who feels uh, quite anti-imperialist, um, and I, of course I'm not a fan of the Russian regime either. But um, yeah, let, let's yeah. let's just make that clear um, before we get accused of being um, Russian shills. Um, we we are not fans of of the Russian regime. So told, um, told you to say I, that. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Save it on RT as well. <laughs> yeah, that, this is helping my my disguise. So think of the inevitable logic of the plot points in the screenplay of what we might title the Trump-Turian candidate. Two weeks ago, Trump, who has continually, again and again, even during the presidential debates, defended the Russians against charges that they have hacked American political-related computer systems, elevated his bizarre loyalty to Putin to a new level by actually disputing the classified briefings about the hackings that he's gotten in which our spies drew him the proverbial map. Trump continues to say he would restructure the greatest wedge in the world against Russia, NATO, and would only lend American help to NATO countries menaced by, say, Russia, if they paid up. During the September presidential forum, Trump said Putin was a greater leader than Barack Obama and with no apparent irony nor awareness that Putin is a dictator, cited Putin's approval ratings of 82%. The same month, the second man Trump named as one of his foreign policy advisors, Carter Page, was investigated by our intelligence agencies for allegedly meeting in Moscow with the Russian who supposedly supervises their attempts to mess up our election. Interesting to see also how after Trump fired his Tomahawk missile um, towards a military base in Syria after the uh, chemical attacks, uh, how the uh, mainstream, mainly liberal media, endorsed President Trump as um, stepping away from this Russian conspiracy theory and becoming... Presidential, a true American presidential yeah, you, figure. You kind of saw people saying, "Yeah, Trump became the president tonight." Yeah, I think it probably confused people though, because a lot of people are, you know, Trump's in bed with Putin, and just you know, completely against Trump, ever what, and then they yeah. they suddenly find they agree with something he's done. Yeah. They're like, hang on, he's shelling the shit out of a brown. And then I think some people are annoyed because then they're thinking, "What? Well, what? Maybe he's not in Putin's pocket," which yeah. means I was wrong. 
But then people, obviously, then it took about a few hours for people to start saying, oh, Trump and Putin have agreed this, he was going to fire a few mm. missiles. To make, you know, I mean, that's the other that, conspiracy theory. Yeah, the, the conspiracy theory deepened. Yeah, I mean, but, it, it really shows what a, what a poverty of, of political outlook, of, of progressive convictions, if the only reason they can find to uh, object to Trump is that he's, uh, you know, in the pocket of Russia. Mm. Like, um, you know, now that he's really started... Um, killing people and I'm not a fan of Obama or his foreign policy but Trump is going to be far more open to committing war crimes than even Obama who bombed seven countries was um, so that's when that's when the liberals <laughs> start cheering him I mean it's fu- it's fucking depressing mm. uh, Jonathan Friedland in The Guardian um, you know putting out a, a piece that various hawkish Labour MPs retweeted shared around um yeah, re- re- really abysmal. He he was kind of saying, you know, sometimes it's the wrong man who does the right thing, and um, yeah, I, I I just despair at this point. Just for liberal well, taste. Do, do you think that was the right thing? That was 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 there any real point in doing that? Well, that, that's the I thing. Mean, I mean, McMaster McMaster came out to say we haven't actually, even by that logic, we um, by your own logic. Um, McMaster came out to say that we haven't actually handicapped the, the capacity of the Syrian government to, to actually continue chemical attacks in yeah. the future. To me personally, I think that there should have been like an investigation, international investigation into yeah. what to happen. There's uh, various reports that there was a cache of chemical weapons, rebel chemical weapons, and Assad's regime dropped a bomb on the cache. Alex, but I, I mean, I, I, think, I have no I think, idea I think what anyone happened. who says they know exactly what happened is lying. Exactly. Don't. So, yeah. international investigation. Um, but even that's not straightforward, is it? It's not straightforward. It's a fucking complicated, horrible situation. But I, everyone's saying we need to do something. We need to do something. Like, does, you know, just dropping bombs in, on the kind of most base level is just that it, it counts as doing something taking a stand yeah well they also say that it was trump sending a message to iran and north korea wasn't it and i saw That's this great. morning at 5 a.m donald trump obviously on a, on a, on a in a euphoric way because he's suddenly become popular with everyone because he bombed syria That's <laughs> suddenly the way to get popular saying north korea is looking for trouble if china decides to help that'd be great if not we'll solve the problem without them usa that's the yeah. That's the end of USA. USA. So yeah. he's kind of sitting there in bed thinking, hmm, they like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, exactly. Well, because I, I, I've got to say, I'm just at this point um, kind of plagiarizing the District Sentinel podcast, which is an American leftist thing I, I was listening to last night. But they, they were saying, you know, Trump is... Well, no, this, sorry, this was Chapo Trap House. I was listening to a couple of American left-wing podcasts last night, but... They're basically saying, uh, you know, Trump has just become this miserable old fuck who just watches uh, Fox News all day. It's like, you know, your, your piss-head uncle, although actually Trump is a teetotaler, um, who just kind of sits Allegedly. Like, yeah, get, getting mad. He, 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 uh, he likes the yellow stuff, I'm told, in, in terms of... <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, uh, he you know, just sits in front of Fox News, shaking his fist, kind of... And, and, and now they're saying sort of nice things about him. He's like, okay, well, more of that then. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is something that I don't know why the kind of liberal media forget this, but Trump is essentially a reality TV star who's won the presidency, and he views the world through ratings and through yeah. through a sense of like being popular on TV. Oh yeah, you, you think these uh, labor right fuckers are obsessed with polling? Like you think Owen Jones goes on about polling a lot? I'm not saying he's on the labor right; he's more a soft left. But um, but. Trump, he will read every single poll that comes out about him, like, and he has miserable ratings. <laughs> like, the advantage of Corbyn is that I think he, he probably sees his miserable poll ratings, and I don't know, it doesn't shape his entire political outlook as much, but Trump will be reading them and just getting mad. Just like, I need to do something. So he's yeah. like, you know, kick, uh, kick Steve Bannon off the. Uh, National Security Council, get fucking Kushner in, um, and who, who's much more hawkish than Bannon, who's obviously like, reprehensible in his own ways. And, yeah, then we'll do something. 
Yeah. I mean, it, is, it is amazing, though, some of, the, some of the figures he comes out with when talking about his poll ratings. Or even, even talking about, I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger took over the Celebrity Apprentice, didn't he? Yeah. It's like they were number, number 14 on the 8 to 9 p.m. slot, Nielsen ratings. You know, like he knows all these little figures about exactly how he's doing in every single poll, how many ratings his old television show got. He's obsessed with numbers yeah. and, and rankings, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, the most worrying thing really is how this is going to play out, the whole Russia... Um, U.S. relationship yeah. now this escalated. You can see it, I mean, Syria could, becoming a kind of. I mean, I know war. you could say it's just posturing, but this this has been on the table for a long time, hasn't it? That 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 there'll be a proxy war between Russia and the U.S. in Syria. Yeah. And now that U.S. the U.S. has launched a strike on Syria on Syrian government, um, I mean, it's almost like launching a strike on Russia in some ways, isn't it? Because yeah. Russia has invested so much political capital, money, resources into Syria. I mean, it's all, it's yeah. almost like Russia's. Middle East base, isn't it? Yeah, some of the places people are talking about implementing no-fly zones, which I just think is like a mo- the most rank euphemism for a place where fucking loads of people are just getting shot. Mm. Like, the places they want to do them, would, it would involve shooting down Russian planes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not going to... I mean, well, I don't want to say it's not going to happen, but I, if it does happen, I foresee like almost like a major war breaking out. Um, NATO is shooting down Russian planes. I've already started digging my bunker. <laughs> getting, getting a doctor's note just in case they do conscription. <laughs> it's Britain's position in all of this. Post-Brexit Britain. I mean, yeah. Boris Johnson... Global Britain. ...kind of made a bit of a muppet of himself, I think, by not going to Russia. Yeah. I definitely. think that looked really bad. I mean, if you want to, the, the analogy of you know, us being America's lapdog, that's it, isn't it? I mean, it clearly... They thought it's better if Rex Tillerson goes instead of Trump, um, yeah. instead of Boris, because he might. I mean, I mean, to be fair, you can't entirely <laughs> blame him for that. Like, he's a Boris Johnson is a fucking liability. But um, I mean, what what does that say about our country if somebody from a Trump administration is uh, more capable of being yeah, an oil man? <laughs> an oil man. I mean, yeah. Boris. You have to remember, even if he doesn't act like it, he's been a politician for decades, hasn't he? Yeah. So he. And also then this, this vote today at the G7, I don't know how I feel about that because I'm not sure what good imposing more sanctions on Russia would really do. And I know Germany and Italy opposed it. I know America and Britain are quite hawkish on imposing more sanctions, but I feel yeah. like that might just escalate it even more. Well, I feel like people should wait and let it... Because clearly the sanctions that have been implemented before haven't uh, tampered, tampered Russia's resolve, has it, at all? Well, it didn't uh, arise from sanctions, but... In a sort of similar way, the I mean, current political conditions in Russia, the rise of the Putin administration, came from uh, a series of Western, um, Western organized moves that devastated the Russian economy. I mean, in a couple of years, in the 1990s, they went from the most equal country in the world to the most unequal country in the world. And then, in was it? I think 97, they had the biggest stock market crash in history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was because Russia had been turned, like, uh, with the, at the beck and call of the West, of, of, of mainly America, um, into this kind of free market playground, which is privatisation, fire sales, a huge redistribution of wealth in the wrong direction. And that's the... Uh, material conditions from which Putin emerged as a kind of, as Marie LeConte from BuzzFeed would call Theresa May, a kind of safe pair of hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think people don't know this kind of history about Russia's transformation, traumatic transformation from one economic and social political system, communism, into, into like yeah. 1990s free market economy, whereby all the uh, public assets would just flog to, to the richest buyers. Yeah. Um, I think I think I've fallen into the trap before of thinking, you know, Russia's the bad guy. Everything Russia does is wrong. Russia's looking for trouble. But then we, we do have to remember Russia's history, like the past, and also how Russian the Russian population see us as the aggressors in many ways. Don't you have NATO yeah. surrounding them? You have to look at. But when you yeah, when well. you just look at a map of NATO expansion, yeah. and then you consider. Um, you consider the Cold War, but even before that, the, the two world wars yeah. and the Second World War, losing Huge, 20 million yeah. soldiers. Yeah. Um, 
uh, yeah, this is never really commented upon um, in much of the discourse about uh, you know Ru- Russia as being an aggressor. Yeah, you're right, and it's worth saying that as well as the <laughs> as, as well as the kind of economic conditions that created the autocratic Putin regime. Um, I'm glad we've got that extra guest for yeah, <laughs> to yeah, talk yeah. on the show. Um, but, but yeah, in, ter- in terms of the uh, kind of political conditions, they were also created in the 90s and fully approved by the West. I mean, in 1993, when Yeltsin authorised tanks to roll <laughs> into the Russian parliament, killed mm. hundreds of people, the West were fully supportive of that. Um, and they helped him draw up I keep saying the West, but it really is mainly America in all these instances of Russia being conspicuously meddled with. And the Americans helped Yeltsin draw up a new constitution that effectively placed all power in the hands of the president. So that's why Putin is able to govern as this autocrat. Yeah, no, most definitely. And I think it would it would definitely help if much of the commentary that we receive about Russia was contextualized a bit. But we're not. I doubt we're going to have that anytime soon uh, from from uh, slugs, as you would say. <laughs> yes, I would. I would indeed say that. I mean, it's it's really only since two thousand and three. All there was major electoral fraud in all the um, post-Soviet. Uh, and let's not get ourselves. The Soviets. Uh, the Soviet Union was not always um, at. A bastion of democracy, but the, the, in, throughout the nineties, yeah. there was major interference, particularly in the nineteen ninety six election. I think it was ah, yeah. Sorry, I, I genuinely am a bit rusty on all this stuff, but um, the, the U.S. effectively bought elections for Yeltsin. They were perfectly happy when Putin who wasn't this kind of, like, shambolic pisshead like Yeltsin, who at half the time was, like, was you know, just drunk on a job yeah. in hospital. Putin didn't drink, which was this really um, remarkable thing in Russian politics. They were like, OK, this guy is serious. He is a teetotaler, and he's just completely driven by the work. So when Yeltsin handed over the reins of power to Putin, the, the US were still on board. They didn't see him as this kind of flamboyant autocrat, although he's mainly kind of taken on that more sort of flamboyant persona since he came back to power after Medvedev, uh, whose name I can't really pronounce, as a, was uh, yeah. president for about four years. But it yeah. was in 2003 when Putin opposed the Iraq war that he became one of the bad dictators. Mm. Right, yeah. For me, it would just, I don't know if it's wishful thinking, but... Um, Seems to be in re- in the last year or so, although it happened five years ago. There is seems to be a resurgence in opposition to Putin in Russia. I know there's been larger marches, and um, I think it was last week there was the largest march they've had since 2011. Really? And I know this man. But who who are, who are who are the opposition? I have no idea. Like what are they just? I think civil society groups. Like who? Well, the, I forgot the name of the party and the man, um, <laughs> but I know that he's more—he's more a pro-European leader. So I guess he's—he's yeah. he's a, he's a pro-Western right. um, politician. Yeah. I, so the protests in 2011—they were fully supported by uh, the White House under Secretary yeah. of State Hillary Clinton. So they can't have been like left-wing or anything. No, I mean, I just—I just wonder how uh, how things will. Pan out with Russia. I know probably everyone is, but it's, uh, it's almost, it's almost <laughs> impossible to Louise predict, Mench. doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Louis, yeah and, I, should, I should get Louise Mensch to tell me. Actually, she'll, <laughs> she'll know. And and I love how also Russia is also presented as like this great superpower. When you actually look at some of the figures on the economy, oh, yeah, it's abysmal. Yeah, it's just in decline. Yeah, and so it, comparing that with like these conspiracy theories is is interesting because I don't understand how they can simultaneously simultaneously be a massive decline and also like a world power uh, pulling the strings of the American presidency. But, but that kind of goes both ways, doesn't it? If, if their economy is declining, you'd think there'd be growing resentment, but often the opposite has, happens, mm. doesn't it? And the government just starts posturing more so they can yeah. kind of rouse a yeah. sense of nationalism to get the people back behind them. I mean, <laughs> North Korea, come on. I mean, yeah. literally... Well, I guess that's a closed state, but 
they've you know they've been through famine still the people. Yeah, so I think Putin's popularity might be dimming a bit with um, the kind of urban intelligentsia, maybe with more kind of uh, with people, I guess, from yeah the sort of metropolitan middle classes with the sort of Russian intelligentsia. It might the Putin glow might be fading a bit, but on the other hand, I think with the Russian populace at large, he is still reasonably popular. Mm. I don't. I think that it's. I mean, it's, it's not like a Kim Jong Un Korean state television people crying. Yeah, I mean, people genuinely. Um, I mean, Putin's gen- genuinely very popular with the people, I think, and I think people do see him as a kind of strong leader who's putting Russia on the world stage. Yeah. Not letting Russia be, you know. Long live Russia. <laughs> well, my well, what I'm hoping is that they've obviously spent a lot of money getting ready for the 2018 World Cup. So hopefully, there'll be a kind of they'll hold off on world war until then. <laughs> you know what I think is odd, but um, I mean, hardly anyone. Yeah, actually, you have been seeing a couple of stories about it in the last couple of days uh, about, uh, say, a, a, an almost a kind of concentration camp in Chechnya yeah, for gay yeah. people. Yeah. But you haven't seen as much talk recently about how Russia's really homophobic, which is weird because it is, and the government are fully complicit in that. But people have almost ditched that quite legitimate line of attack in favour of all this, like, the ice cream man on my street is actually a Russian psyop. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's bizarre. That, that should be, that should be a, a pretty huge story, like a concentration camp um, on the, in Europe, basically. Well, I know, <laughs> they, they were literally rounding people up, weren't they? And I think they were entrapping people through dating apps and stuff. And now, yeah, I mean, that would be a major... I mean, imagine if that happened in any European country. <laughs> yeah. That would be huge. But I think, yeah, with all the other stuff going on with Russia, that's kind of overlooked, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, when... This dog is... is well. Fucking dog. It's because, it's because we kicked him off a previous episode. <laughs> and now he's... <laughs> it's being sponsored by Russia. They don't want us telling truth to power. <laughs> Jesus. Um, oh, what were we saying? Uh... The concentration camp in Chechnya. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's almost like so. So a few years ago, when Russia hosted the Winter Olympics, there were a lot of calls from quite liberal people that we should boycott Russia because of their treatment of gay people. I mean, which I mean, I I've, I thought that was um, quite legitimate at the time. And um, then they talked. Then the sort of anti-Russia story became uh, Crimea, obviously. And now it's like everything, <laughs> like it's Stoke on Trent by election. It's the ice cream man on Louis Mensch's road. It's Andrew Breitbart. It's Trump getting elected. It's Corbyn getting elected. It's the EU referendum, UKIP, the Labour left, like everything. The French elections next. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, that that's already hasn't that already been contaminated with the the funding for um, Front National is already. There's links to yeah. lots of Russian banks. For yeah, that. and I'm sure you'll have liberals, uh, even if it comes to a runoff between uh, Mélenchon and uh, the left-wing candidate and Le Pen, the far-right candidate, I think you'll still have liberals trying to say that Mélenchon is a Russian agent. <laughs> well, yeah, they, uh, I think they've already accused him of that. I, it would not surprise me. <laughs> Um, because he's he's for leaving NATO, so I think, that, I think that's yeah. one of the. the I mean, going off track a little bit, but another like huge player in the in the Syrian conflict, who relations have deteriorated with a lot is Ankara, isn't it? It's Turkey. I mean, mm. I mean the the relationship between both Europe and especially Europe and Turkey after the um, the Netherlands and Germany banned um, they banned uh, the foreign minister, didn't they? The Turkish foreign minister from the Netherlands and the US. Um, Refusal to deport Fatula. How do you say his name? Fatula Gulen. Fatula Gulen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's like a key <laughs> NATO, NATO ally on the board with Syria, who relations aren't very good with either. It's just off in America, so it's just like charter s- schools. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's just like it's all splintering, isn't it? Yeah. And that the the whole issue between um, <laughs> Turkey and Russia was um, was sorted out very quickly. Oh, the yeah, the yeah. shooting down of the plane I'm referring to. And then the shooting of the Russian yeah. ambassador. And then... Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah that's, that's pretty like, major. I forgot about that. Yeah, but, yeah I know, you forget, <laughs> yeah. because they kind of see it in both their interests, too. <laughs> well, you saw um, certain, like, American 
liberal kind of centrist hawks celebrating the murder of the Russian ambassador in Turkey. Um, this guy with the, uh, the brilliant surname Kuntzman, uh, I, I can't remember what his first name was, but he was uh, he was well into the murder of the um, of the Russian. Uh, you know, he he basically wrote this article saying like chat shit get banged, like <laughs> <laughs> like effectively saying like yeah he he had it coming. Bring on World War Three. <laughs> Holy shit! That is well, scary. at least he's not president. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got. Safe, I do think though that the, the, the Russians they could do themselves a favour though talking about saying nonsense online. They should shut down the Russian embassy's Twitter account in London. Did <laughs> <laughs> you, you see the tweet yesterday? I mean, fucking boy. Uh, <laughs> well, like, it's actually me yesterday? running that account. It's me, <laughs> it's me and the real politic lads. And I, I, know, I know when Obama was leaving office, I think they just posted a picture of a rubber duck, didn't they? <laughs> Same duck. <laughs> he fucking trolled Louis Mensch with that picture of Leonardo DiCaprio in The Great Gatsby, like, with his uh, fucking glass of champagne. That's so good. Do you reckon it's run by, like, an 18-year-old Russian intern? <laughs> yeah. well, I've got to say, it is way better than Lib Dem Press, that <laughs> account that all the journos love. I was looking at the Russian, I mean, the Russian ambassador to London's Twitter account. It's all very normal, you know, I met so-and-so today, I opened this today. But it's just the embassy one is just nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's constant, it's constant. And they do, they do all these polls. And look, yeah. The poll they did was, what kind of war do you think we'll have? It's like, all-out war, a war of idiots. Like, you could vote oh, wow. on what you want. Um, now that's quite frightening. That one, <laughs> yeah, that, that that one I kind of mm, some of it's funny. Should I hit that report button? <laughs> yeah, you're blocked. Out. Blue tick. <laughs> I DM them say, "Can you stop these messages, please?" <laughs> Slide into Russia. Be a DM. man. Comfortable oh, talks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should invite them on. That'd be amazing. <laughs> invite the intern on. Yeah, if you're just, listening to this. Let's just start going to really obscure embassies. I want to put on a sort of like amateur boxing show where, where the Russian uh, embassy guy just beats the shit out of the Lib Dem press guy. <laughs> <laughs> Publicity. Do, do, you remember those, yeah. do you remember when we were outside the Venezuelan embassy a bit drunk one night? Do you remember that? We did some rambling oh, about sure. Chavez and these guys, these really stocky guys just... <laughs> They weren't they, having any they of it. They, were, they weren't well, having yeah, any. they're a great bunch of lads. Aren't they? <laughs> yeah. and I was thinking, these guys could definitely kill me, and they probably have diplomatic immunity, so let's, <laughs> let's walk away. Let's leave. <laughs> yeah. It's about Luke Akehurst. You, you guys got, know Luke Akehurst? I, I know Luke Akehurst. I'll, I'll rescind. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Recuse myself. Let, let's talk about Luke Akehurst. Explain to our listeners who he is. Um, and why he's relevant to, the, to, to Russia. <laughs> well, Luke Akehurst has been in the Russia game for way longer than Louis Mensch or Eric Garland or he's Keith, an OG. Keith Olbermann or any of his fucking pretenders. He, uh, you, know, as, you know, as early as a couple of years ago, was tweeting the word Russia on its own. In, in response to people asking questions like, which country, Luke, do you consider the number one threat to British national security? And yeah, he'd just be like, Russia. Who, who is Luke, Luke Akers? He's um, a very marginal figure in the Labour Party. So he's, um, he's been on the National Executive Committee, uh, the kind of governing body of Labour, a couple of times, although he uh, lost in the last election, got all the left-wing candidates won uh, and he did not but he's the chair of this group called Labour First which it's not a Blairite group it's an old Labour right group so this is the kind of the original right-wing tradition in Labour because people forget it wasn't just it wasn't with the advent of Blairism that reactionary people came into the Labour Party um, it's it's always had uh, a more kind of conservative wing um, uh, albeit a bit more kind of like grounded in traditional trade union politics and stuff than the Blairite wing of Labour. But yeah, that's who Akehurst is, and he is Mr. Russia. Like, I, I added him um, just with, Luke, please could you tell me which country is you consider the number one threat to British national security? And he was like, I know this meme. And I was like, go on, Luke, be a good sport. And he was just like, Russia. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but now all my my friends like just they message me when they see something saying Russia. Like they send me a picture. I'm I'm turning into Acurst. 
has has he blocked you, Acus? He hasn't. No, no. He, he he actually hasn't. On because uh, some people like you know I've got I've got my account I've got the real politic account I've got a couple of alts that I'm not going to dox myself on. Um, but I mean, Jolly and Green, this fucking awful Blairite spad, for example, has got three of them blocked now. He's he's really oh, wow. really comprehensive, uh, blocking three of me. But Acurst <laughs> never has. I even maybe he, maybe he likes it. It's all a bit. Of... I think he does. I think he's embraced the Russia meme to some extent, the same way uh, uh, John McTurnan has embraced everyone, constantly calling him a Tory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although of course he is a Tory. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So uh, ending on our good friend Acurst. Acurst, if you're listening, we would love to have you on the show. Um, thank you. I was just going to quickly bring in some breaking uh, New York Times breaking news from the White House. Okay. We've gone to war with Russia. (laughs) Sean Spicer has compared Syria's leader to Hitler, incorrectly claiming Hitler didn't, at least Hitler didn't sink to using chemical weapons. Yes, I completely forgot about this, but yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Can't not mention that. So, um, yeah, everybody on my Twitter is making the same joke. They're all saying, oh, so David Simon, the guy who wrote The Wire, is, uh, like, writing Sean Spicer's uh, public <laughs> appearances now. Um, then David Simon's sort of protesting. Like, I said that ironically. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure, the same way I'm ironically an agent of Putin's regime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is extraordinary. <laughs> <Fucking> <laughs> what, ignorance. what a great quote. <laughs> that is a great quote. It's just when you're like, you know, I, I'm, 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 you know, pinching my fingers in that sort of nice kind of way. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's nice. that's what, I, what I'm feeling right now. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with that amazing quote, uh, I think we'll bring the show to a close. Uh, thank you, Jack, for for coming down to. Um, to uh, Ealing to, to record this with us. Oh, thank you guys. Thank, thanks for having me on the show. And go and listen to the Real Politic podcast. You can find it on SoundCloud. Along uh, with the motherland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Check out their Twitter as well. Um, at Real Politcast. Yeah. And I'm at Uber Coca, just throwing that out there. Yeah, Uber Coca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? It's more like Russian promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so thanks for listening. That's all from Seb, Jack, me, and the dog. <laughs> well, I think he was much better than me. He did his reading. See you guys. <laughs> Поленая наша в юга, что волю мы несем родивые края. Артиллеристы, полезовика, артиллеристы, полезовика, из многих тысяч по